0: And load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show.
1: And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Blaze live and on demand. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with us. If you'd like to join us, 888 900 93 is the number, 888 900 93 Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. For those of you listening today via podcast uh, or Blaze Radio, the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And if you are listening today via podcast, if you could leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, we would greatly appreciate you doing that and appreciate all of you that have already done that as well. Coming up a little bit later on at the bottom of the hour, we take a brief break from the imminent collapse of Western civilization for our three non-political questions. Uh, today's uh, truth bomb, I've got to check myself. Uh, and uh, and then we've got an extended theology Thursday today as we put a wrap On the series we've spent the last few months, it's our very first Bible study we've done on Theology Thursday through the book of Colossians, and we'll put a wrap by answering uh, as many of the questions you guys have posed to us about that study as we can uh, coming up in the next hour of the show. And and speaking of uh, a little theology, there are some countries around the world that don't want... Uh, to let their people uh, study some real theology they are what we call closed countries meaning they have closed their people off uh, to the scriptures to god's word they don't want them inspired and motivated to throw off their own sin why well because people that do that think you know now that i'm free of my sin maybe i I don't want you to you know be free to impose yours on me anymore right so these are tyrannical regimes china um uh, at least they're tyrannical when it comes to religious freedom. Uh, it, and then you look at North Korea, Somalia, Iran. Uh, our friends at Back to Jerusalem, uh, they're based in communist China. And what they want to do is take God's word to every close country between China and Jerusalem. And they've got a neat way of doing it. They've uh, taken the word of God. They've put it in an electronic form for download that is small enough uh, to sneak it past the gatekeepers in these various uh, countries. But they need our help. Uh, in order to get these Bibles to the people. If you want to help with this, they're asking for just $15 from each of us. BlazeHelp.org is the website. That's BlazeHelp.org. Or give them a call at 844-305-0566. 844-305-0566. And now here's Aaron with What Happened While We Were Away.
2: What Happened While We Were Away, brought to you by the Cory Booker Town Hall. This is a land of barbecue. It is. And you're a vegan. I, What's that like? Adam Schiff is having a bad day. Your willingness to continue to promote a demonstrably false narrative is alarming. The findings of the special counsel conclusively refute your past and present assertions and have exposed you as having abused your position to knowingly promote false information,
1: having damaged the integrity of this committee and undermined the faith in the United States government and its institutions.
2: All nine Republican members of the House Intel Committee called on the collusion monger to step down as chair of that committee. According to the Federalist's Molly Hemingway, USA Today's David Mastio rejected a piece on the media's Russia failure because it was sourced to other outlets that actually got the story right and not the quote-unquote mainstream ones that failed to get the story right. In its place, he ran another Russia truther piece. Everything's fine here. Just keep on moving. Senator Tammy Duckworth, ladies and gentlemen.
0: I know that Donald Trump never deigned to put on the uniform. Bones didn't stop me from serving. So let me clear something up for him. He and the GOP should not keep claiming to care about our national security and our military if they keep ignoring the crises that are sapping its strength and putting Americans at risk they keep doing this, more Americans will have to go serve in places as a result of the effects of climate change. Wait, what? I know that Donald Trump never deigned to put on the uniform. Bones Burris didn't stop me from serving. So let me clear something up for him. He and the GOP should not keep claiming to care about our national security and our military if they keep ignoring the crises that are sapping its strength and putting Americans at risk. They keep doing this. More Americans will have to go serve in places as a result of the effects of climate change.
2: OK, then. Kim Fox, the Cook County state attorney, spoke to the media yesterday.
0: Do you think Jesse Smollett is innocent? You know, I think that the charges that were filed, and again, I was recused
1: at the time of the charges, um, were appropriate. I believe that the outcome, him having to forfeit the $10,000, having to do community service, Based on the allegations, and again, the class four felony and no background are an outcome that we could expect with this type of case.
2: So if you don't have a criminal background and you're in Chicago, just felony away, commence O-festival. That's really the moral of the story. Also, she said that Smollett didn't have a criminal background. That's not true. He was arrested for a DUI and driving without a license back in 2007. So there's that. K-Love, one of the largest Christian music radio networks in the country, reversed its decision this week to refuse to promote the upcoming movie Unplanned in theaters tomorrow. Abby Johnson, the subject of the story, said the network told her they didn't want to promote anything quote-unquote political. And finally... Good morning, TPS students. It is testing week and it's time to slay all day.
0: Yeet. Stay woke beyond fleek. And get that Gucci breakfast. Goals.
2: Say bye, Felicia, to that testing stress. Weather's going to be turnt, right, Chris? Yes. Toledo weather going to be the lit during testing week. A hundo P. Chance of success. You've got this, kids. Steve, how about that traffic? Are we looking
1: at Better than okay We're talking turnt. FOMO won't be an issue. No traffic problems around any TPS schools to keep you from taking those tests.
2: We're screwed. And that's what happened. Well, we were away.
0: What was that at yeah. the end? <laughs> I don't know.
1: I know. I know. It, that's like a Toledo newscast, right? Um, you,
2: you. I'm. I'm still wondering the same thing.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw this going viral yesterday, and I'm like, "What? What was the point of that? What? Was- kids don't do drugs? Yeah. Um." I don't know what's real they, they, and what's parody were, anymore. Did and, they, you know Cory Booker's a, a vegan?
0: So, um, is, is his dad a mailman? <laughs> <laughs> is he the new John Kasich? And, and, and,
1: and is, is he going to call his his friend, B.B. Netanyahu? <laughs> okay, I need to stop now. We're all going to get into trouble. Or, um, or
0: keep going. <laughs> or. I mean, that's an option.
1: <laughs> it's an option, right? Uh, let's get to, uh, what is in your rundown. Um, the, the, the interview there with Kim Fox, we're going to talk more about that today on the blaze uh, round table. Don't want to miss it because if you want to know how does a segment of society collapse, like in the mid to late 19th century, you could walk through the, the cobbled streets of Boston and. See law and order on a regular basis. But if you the further on the other side of the Mississippi River you got, the more chaos you would see, the less law and order you would see. You'd see people taking the law into their own hands. Like wild, wild How does that happen? What what is the worldview? What is the what is the cultural civilizational breakdown that that allows this sort of lawlessness to take place? We're gonna talk about that today, uh, on the round table. So we'll table uh miss fox for now because there's plenty of other things to get into uh as well the that video of senator duckworth i saw that in my feed this morning and i clicked on it because i saw what the opening uh her opening case was and i clicked on it and and be careful
0: because she had bone spurs man
1: be careful as, as it was going i'm thinking this is a pretty devastating setup to like hammer the Republicans for increasing defense spending yep. and endless war in Muslim lands yep. and we had two more soldiers just die in Afghanistan a couple of days. Right? That that's right. I'm think I am thinking, wow, this is this is gonna go viral. Well it did. Because at the end, she has this inc- this really yeah. powerful setup, and at yeah. the end, she literally takes out a thallus, steps on it, and 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 puts on a shirt, says, hi, I'm self-parody, how because are you today? Because they have today? to get
0: their street cred back after yeah. going all present Paul- on that vote in the Senate.
2: Yeah, Paul Shanklin, I don't know if you saw that, but in the video, you can see Paul Shanklin in the background singing, this whole world will be a burning <laughs> ball of fire, you know, at the end of the
1: video. That is a good point. I had not thought yep. of, Todd. That after they all voted present on the Green New Deal, they've they've now got to have a, you know, a meltdown, genuflection but the uh, to still their, end. To their pagan base. Yes. yes. Wow. I hadn't thought about that. That's why I'm here, man. I think you're free to go. You've earned your check today. <laughs> yeah. Go watch the Brewers open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Play ball. Yes. day, baby. But I mean, that that is just... This week... Yeah. It is. It is. It is literally like Corey Lewandowski or somebody took over the Democratic Party. Yeah. As like a double agent yep. and said, "We are just gonna run. We're just gonna create Trump 2020 campaign yeah. commercials." Well, and it's crazy.
0: We were talking about freaking. Tr- Trump has actually been quiet. I know. It's if this goes on. By his standards. By his standards. Yes. By his standards. And, and
1: and at this point we're. <laughs> our standards yeah, are. Of, of course, we're looking for of any course. sign of adulthood here. Uh, yes, of course. yes. But
0: th- th- this is a landslide in the making. If it could go on,
1: it's you guys, unbelievable. If the military, let's you know what? Let's do the worldview thing. That kind of is our show specialty. Do you understand that she's telling you that the that let's let's table. The ridiculousness of this assertion aside, and take it seriously for the sake of her argument, she's telling you that according to her worldview, the goal of the U.S. military is to fight is to fight climate change. That that's that's a fundamental goal of of the U.S. military is to fight global warming. That's well, and why we built a military. And
0: she's saying global warming, not the human condition, not human sin, is, bil- is, yes. is the a priori principle beneath the world's problems.
1: Right. A lot of the places we have to go and fight are in what kind of environments? Like, what kind of environment's Afghanistan? It's mostly what? Sand. Like, what kind Box. of environment's most of Syria? Desert? Yeah. See where I'm going with this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like two
0: dots to connect that was yeah. it yes yeah so
1: <laughs> it, so it's going to be hotter in the desert it's going to be hotter those middle it's eastern
0: be, ice caps are already yes.
1: on the edge of
0: existence those, those
1: bedouins that have lived in these middle eastern <laughs> deserts for thousands of years uh with their pederasty and their and their goat and, and sheep herding um, if, if we dial that, if that thermostat hits three more degrees, it will provoke them to ungodly forms of debauchery yes. and barbarism in that the U.S. will have to be
0: deployed and respond. In an otherwise reasonable land.
1: Yes.
0: In
2: an otherwise reasonable
0: land. You broke Steve. Those <laughs> Those Middle Eastern ice caps aren't going to click themselves, yo. Oh
1: gosh, that's good. He's on a roll. You know what? I'm taking the day off. You're up. Go on, some You're up, Burs, and I got, I got this. 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 You're good. I'm in You're the good. bullpen. Hey, I'm the opener. You're right for your Brewers. <laughs> uh, I pitch the first batter. You take yeah, over nice. from here. You like Man, that? That's all right.
0: That's going deep undercover right
1: there. Uh, the <laughs> K Love thing. You know, you've heard me say over the years that, the and it's not my saying, uh, Dr. Lawrence White, uh, who's a great uh, pro-life activist and a, a Lutheran minister in down in Houston, Texas, actually. I've heard him say this numerous times uh, around the country, and I've heard him speak about this topic, that the killing will not stop until the Christians make it so. What What is a practical example of that? It's the Caleb story that's in Aaron's montage. For those of you that are not, you know, Todd's like, what's a Caleb yeah. I am. Okay. This yeah. Is true. So this is kind of a. Um, it's kind of like if EWTN played uh, contemporary hymns and okay. Gregorian chants. Got it. That's is that a good analogy, Aaron? Uh, Greg, if yeah. Okay. Yeah, contemporary. contemporary yeah, yeah, but contemporary, like yeah. Gregorian chants and like contemporary hymns. Okay, that's what Caleb would be. It's like it's like the hu- hub of contemporary Christian music. All right. It's for profit.
2: Um, it's technically it, it they they make a profit.
1: Okay. All right. So and this this how many stations around the country? We're oh, talking? hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. So, yeah. yeah. So this is this is a substantial radio network. Yeah. All right. Um, they have one. They used to have one in Des Moines. Do they still have one here in Des Moines? Yep. Like ninety point five or something. If yep. I remember right. Yep. Okay. So the one of one of the largest Christian radio networks in the country said that it wasn't originally turned down advertising for unplanned on the basis that uh, they don't want to do anything political. So let me, let, me, let me put this another way just to show how ridiculous this assertion is. Okay. If there was an Amber Alert, a nationwide Amber Alert, and a child was in danger, would K-Love turn it down Because they don't want to do anything political, would they? I pray not. Of course not. Why? What's the difference? I think there's a joke in there
0: somewhere about how Aaron says most of the songs on these kind of stations are actually, if you listen to the lyrics, they're heretical. I think there might be a joke in there about that.
1: The, the, I, and I haven't. I'm, I used to be huge into it. I've just gotten older, so I don't listen to as much of really any music that was made after two thousand and four anymore. But um,
2: the the I, truth I, about these types of stations, and I say that today, of course, wearing my Life one hundred and seven point one uh, uh, jacket, <laughs> that with very few exceptions, I I would say Northwestern Media is one of them. Uh, a lot of these Christian radio stations, they're they're really just bringing a product to market and selling it. And selling it fairly well. I did a research project with one of my professors uh, in in college where I had to listen to 100 hours, I think it was, of Christian music radio on specific stations across the country. I think three of them were K-Love stations. Uh, another few of them were uh, The Fish. That's another huge uh, – I think that – yeah, the, the Fish, that's another huge network as well. Um, and I had to document. How many times the DJs in between song breaks, and this was at Christmas time as well. How many times the DJs said the word Jesus a hundred hours, multiple stations across the country on these types of Christian mm. radio stations. Mm-hmm. I think I documented three times.
0: Oh my, <laughs> they said Jesus.
1: Oh my. <laughs>
0: oh, there's, so there's more than a joke there. Yeah, there's a yeah, fraud.
1: Yeah, that yes. Yeah, and again, I've seen the movie twice. The word Republicans never used. The word Democrats never used. Conservative, liberal, never used. No aspect of political activism is even is even advocated, articulated, demonstrated in any way, shape, or form. It is literally the story of a woman who. So there's no politicians in. The, there's not even any politicians wow. in the film. Did not okay? know that. Yeah, no. Amazing. Not um, the this, the 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 movie is literally about a woman who used to believe that killing children was good and okay until she got exposed to what she was actually approving of and, and how that changed her mind. That's why the tagline on the poster is what she saw changed everything because she actually saw what was going on in those clinics and those rooms beyond the propaganda and the talking points and the commercials. And then the rest of it, uh, the rest of the film when she's exposed to this is her battle with her own conscience and then against um, you know the system that she used to serve. There is, there is there, this this movie strives for a political, strives for it. You know, I can just tell you, knowing the filmmakers as well as I do, I know that they wanted to avoid those sorts of things because they knew they would get pushback from organizations like Love when the movie came out, and they needed their help to promote the movie. And so, you know, I, I guess here's where here's where the good news is: is Caleb reversing their decision is yep. indicative of the fact that there, is, there are still 7,000 people in Israel who haven't taken the knee to bail yet. Yeah. All right, Abby put out the clarion a call on her Facebook page, and enough people responded that Caleb said, yeah, you know, we we can't. We look like you know, fiends, we can't do this. But if you want to know what it means, when, when you've heard me quote Dr. Lawrence White over the years about the life issue, the killing will not stop until the Christians make it stop. If you want to know what that looks like, it looks like this story. The fact that one of the largest Christian radio organizations in this country had to be bullied, had to be lobbied, had to be protested into advertising a film that steps on the neck of, of, an, of the infanticide industry. And
0: it's like you said yesterday with the, um, the um, Chicago police, the way you put it. It's, it oh, hell no. How mm-hmm. many times in your life, as a Christian, do you have that moment and that resolve? And if you aren't having this them, this cannot a stand. Lot, yes.
1: yes. Yeah. That's the issue, really. Where do we? Where do we say this cannot stand? Where does Gandalf say you shall not right. pass? Right now, we don't have an answer to that. You know. And if you, you know, all of those church fathers, apostles, disciples. Um, all of those people were martyred for a reason, folks. And it was, and, and you want to know what the reason was? They had a moment where they said, Oh, hell no, this shall not pass. We, no, this, this cannot happen. We're drawing a line. That's why there's martyrs. And I think subconsciously we know this. And that's why we don't draw these kinds of lines. We, we don't want to, we're not, too many of us are not willing to pay a penalty for. Our Lord, who paid the ultimate penalty for preach, us, preach and and that's and if you believe, you know, I'm I'm I believing the sovereignty of God. It is fundamental to my theology. Well, if you believe in the sovereignty of God, um, and if you believe in a church triumphant that not even the gates of hell will prevail against it, when you look at the 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 existence of evil in the world and try to reconcile it with those two other. Uh, assertions. You, you, the human mind struggles to make all those things add up. There is one formula that makes them add up. We have as much evil as we are willing to tolerate. We have as much evil as we are willing to tolerate. One of the verses in Colossians, the book of the Bible we just finished studying, um, actually, it's, no, I take it back, it's in Galatians. Do not be deceived, God will not be mocked, a man will always reap what he sows. We have as much evil as we are willing to tolerate. We are willing to tolerate this evil, thus it exists. Yeah. That's th- th- That's the reality. We have as much evil as we are willing to tolerate.
2: And it's, I mean, that should be sobering. Anytime we hear that, it should be sobering because we always t- talk about the culture and that's outside. And that's, you know, outside our bubbles and our silos. Uh, and we always talk about the... Um, you know, just the, the wretched mess that is Western culture. And everything we say about culture in this in its state is probably true, but when we put it in the terms that we just talked about for the last few minutes, um, it turns it back around on us. Uh, what does it say about us <laughs> that we're willing and able, apparently, to put up with this type of evil in our world? What's that say about us? Mm-hmm. That's why it should be very sobering.
1: All right. Final thing I want to get to in your round in your in your montage is the situation with USA Today and the Federalist, and um, this this is we are beyond bored with liberal media watchdogging kind of stuff on this show. I mean, you asked me today, hey, you have an idea what you want to do for the Blaze Roundtable, and I I only gave you one. One direction and what was it? Anything but media wash. Yeah, any, me. yeah. I'm just. I'm kind of. I've, I've had my fill of it. And
0: you okay? know that cuts me deep when you say that because I'm just kind of. <laughs> I know. Kind of my jam.
1: I know. You know. But, but I got you. But I. You know, if we're just going to provide snide commentary to it and not push back against it in reality with policy, then you know. We're a fan board. This is a you know we're the we're the Michigan message board, and they're Ohio State or vice versa, or the Cubs, Cardinals, or Yankees, Red Sox, Duke, North Carolina. Pick your rivalry. You know what I'm saying? That, that's really what it is. You know, but the situation with here with USA Today, I think it rises to a different level because I'm I'm familiar with Dave Mastio. I've known Dave for years. Um, and I have uh, written for USA Today in the past. In fact, David Mastio is how I got to write for USA Today. Uh, He came, he used to be the, um, David Mastio is not a liberal. David Mastio came to the USA Today, and I've not spoken to David about this, and I've actually spoken to David in several months, right? So I want to state that as well, okay? But, um, and that's just because business-wise, you know, our our interests haven't aligned. There was no falling out or, as far as I know, everything's good to go and friendly. I just don't keep up with people all the time. But... um, um, Dave Mastio used to be the deputy op-ed page editor at the Washington times. Okay. One of the,
0: yeah, not a liberal. Yeah. Right. One of
1: the larger conservative newspapers in the country. And because he has ties to Iowa, his children live here. Uh, he listened to my show. He got me writing gigs, uh, got a, me a writing gig for the Washington times. that lasted for, for several years. Um, then he went over to USA Today when the Washington Times had uh, a lot of uh, financial problems. Uh, he went over to USA Today, got the job there. And when he saw what the Des Moines Register, uh, you know, a Gannett underling, um, that's the parent company for USA Today. When he saw what they did to me, when they hired me to be a columnist, put it on the front page. We've told that story before and then punked out and never gave me a reason why. And then pretended like they never even hired me. Okay. When he saw what they did, he said, Hey, I'm going to give you a much bigger platform than that. I have submitted columns to USA today that he's ran on going after the gay marriage issue and attacking uh the the rainbow jihad for they're not really for marriage equality because why aren't they defending polyamory poly you know why I mean he he has given me the green light to run things that when I submitted them I didn't think they would run. I've even told I've even told you in sure. in years past they're not going to run this and they ran it. Okay? I'm I'm giving you all this background, because I think you need to know that, in my opinion, what happened here with the Federalist is not your typical. This is this is even to me this is this is more potentially more disappointing than what happened with the guy that the Atlantic hired from National Review, uh, whom Kevin I think Williamson, happened, yeah, because that was always an outlet. It was shocking for them to go outside of their doors to bring him in. In many respects, what happened to Kevin Williamson is what the Des Moines Register did to me. They thought, hey, we need to get a conservative. They hired one, found out he was actually a conservative. So, uh, you got to go. All right. This is different, though. And, and I'm, I can attest to the fact of, of David's professional integrity. I can attest to the fact of um, his personal belief system. And that he has provided me. You go USA Today, search my name. You're not. You're not. You're going to find some things in there that are really culture warry. And he published them. Um, David is not some liberal media hack who's unfamiliar that Andrew McCarthy, who was one of the sources the Federalists cited, is the former U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York. Fairly credible source. Yeah, this is not Fair. gateway pundit okay. here. Yeah. All right. Very credible. David. Source. David understands all of these things. David would know who all of the people are. He would. This isn't again some liberal media hack, okay? So when I saw this story, here's what it told me, and it made me sad. What it told me is they're going to close ranks, industry wide. Whatever pretense once existed of accommodation of alternative views, because what this what this tells me is David Mastio has fallen on a sword for a job, in my view. I don't, I don't, David Mastio would make this choice. This is a choice being made above him. And um, this is, this is now the entire fourth estate, basically. This is a shunning, really. This is an acknowledgement. Yeah, we are at war with you. The Steve Daces of the world are right. And we're just, we're not even going to offer you the space anymore. You're, you're, you're beneath contempt that we don't even have to pretend to entertain you even when you've been proven right, which this would be an easy, this would be an easy bone to throw the Federalist, do your victory lap, and then tomorrow I'll go right back to your your hack. No, no, no. Because we're not doing hackery. We're doing opposition. We're not doing fake news. We're, we're doing uh, an invading Armada's narrative. That's what we're going to do. And it makes me sad. Because knowing David and having some experience with the inner workings they're having written for them many times over the years. Um, I know that this is not your typical liberal media drive-by hit. This is a Borg-esque assimilation, and resistance is now futile. And that story, when I saw it this morning, and I saw his name being bandied about, given how I've known the man for almost ten years, and um, that's yeah, this is the end. I mean, fire up, fire fire up the Jim Morrison. That's a sign. This is the end any alternative viewpoints will not be accommodated any longer yep. period. Now, and I, and it's no coincidence it happens the same day. The economist labels um, Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro, all target of the alt-right as an outspoken Jew and sometimes critic of Donald Trump. They labeled him alt-right today. Okay. They're done pretending guys. Yep. And, and we're out here. We're in red unitard and pitchfork time and, Todd, it makes me sad because I I know, I can promise you Dave Mastio fought back probably against this for as long as he possibly could. But in the end, the orcs are coming over the ridge and they just have overrun the Shire.
0: I've never heard you say this much about uh, him before, but he's me. For twelve years at the Des Moines Register, it sounds like to some, I, and I'm trying to pull them back from the ledge. And the, all the conversations I have, and they won't be pulled back. And so, t- t- told you, told all of you, this what you just saw is uh, instead of shadowy Palpatine, you know that he just he just full on put the cloak yep. on. He said, "I, I am the Senate." Senate.
1: That's exactly yes. right. Yeah, yeah. So understand if they're overrunning the Dave Mastios of the world, he was one of our last lines of of reason. One of our last lines of professionalism in that arena. So if they have if they have overrun him now, then what are they gonna do to you, brother? That's right. It's over. That's what it means. More in a moment. You hear a story about a data breach at a major uh, lending institution, a hotel chain, et cetera. You might be thinking, it's all good. I've got identity theft protection. I don't have to worry. And if you don't have identity theft protection, you should. And props to those of you that do. But keep in mind, though, that you may be vulnerable on a third-party level. Uh, for example, where do you do business online? And even if they can't steal your identity, they now have scammers do uh, the information that you use to verify your identity uh, at third party you know, places like, you know, a, a lending institution where your home is kept or maybe, you know, the, the website in your county, your state where your home's title is kept, and because they've got courtesy of that data breach, they might have the last four digits of your SOsh. They might have a middle initial, a maiden name, um, you know, a checking account number. Again, the kinds of things you put into uh, a you know into a server uh, when you go online and do business to verify that you're you. They then verify their you um, where your home title is kept online. They forge a signature. And, and now this is one of the scams sweeping the country. We've been telling you about how many of these cases uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan had found recently. Uh, we've told you about the story involving this couple in uh, suburban uh, Philadelphia, whose home kept getting put up for sale by some dude in North Carolina. Don't let this happen to you. Protect the most valuable asset most Americans will ever have, their own homes, for just pennies a day, courtesy of our friends at Home Title Lock. And you can find out right now for free with a free title scan and report if your home's title is already uh, in danger. That's normally a $100 value, but it's free to our family here today at The Blaze at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. We all have
0: questions.
1: Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny.
0: Some better than others. What sort of
1: morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show.
2: And yes, because we need a break from the demise of Western civilization and all that entails, I was just telling Steve during the break that Jossie Smollett's attorneys... Say that apparently the two Nigerians who attacked him might have been wearing white face. So, so there's that. Question number one. Those for, white Nigerians, yeah, man. They'll slip uh, you up every time. They're crafty. I, I just. Un- <laughs> <laughs>
1: Stop it now. Steve? You're annoying me.
2: Steve, is this your real fate? No. Because
1: um, what's going to happen? He's going to suck tomorrow. You know that, right?
2: Yeah. You know that, right? Yeah, he's going to start oh, oh, all the multiple choice questions with the songs that you take an hour to look yes, up to make yeah. sure all the similes and allegories. He's going to go off the. He's just going to start, you know, choosing like, I don't know, Cardi B songs mm-hmm.
1: and yes, he. Yes, we, we brought him out of the bullpen for opening yeah. day. He's had eight months to get to, to rest. Yeah. We're going to bring him back tomorrow uh, with, you know, and he won't be able to protect the two we are in no. lead with two outs. You know that's coming. Every
0: right? question, the answer will be a riff on instant replay.
1: He'll, be, yeah. he'll go back to giving me that look when I ask him open ended questions. <laughs> is right? it, That's yeah. coming tomorrow. He's gonna suck tomorrow. We know uh, that right now.
2: It's true. Okay, I do, I'm just glad on the uh, one, one one more thing. I'm just glad that our culture is finally being appropriated. I was feeling a little bit left <laughs> out. Um, what's the most overrated and underrated movie franchise? And can you give some examples to back up your assertion?
1: Uh, for me, overrated is is easy. The Pirates of the Caribbean films. <laughs> I I don't understand that. I don't. The first I, I, three were really good. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand the fascination with watching Johnny Depp impersonate Keith Richards five times for two and a half hours. The, I, and, and I'm a, I, listen, Disney World is, and Disneyland is one of my favorite places on Earth, right? I've done the Pirates of the Caribbean ride going back to when I was three years old, probably 20 times in my life, okay? So I should be the target demo for this. I I don't get why that's a multi-billion dollar nationwide franchise. I it, it, you know, it it doesn't make any sense to me. So that for me, I'll, I'll, I'm going to think for a minute on what I think is underrated. But that for me is the most overrated movie franchise.
0: It breaks my heart to say what I'm going to have to don't. say.
1: I know what you're going to do. But
0: don't the do most it. overrated movie don't franchise. Don't Matt Walsh's.
1: Don't Matt Walsh's.
0: It, well, it's, it it's. I still love it, but it is Star Wars. It's overrated now. I mean, it has enough of a catalog that it's just flat Todd's out.
1: Todd's going to be tweeting obscure bourbon <laughs> recipes with Walsh later today. <laughs> yeah. and, and the Beatles suck. And U2's bad. Yeah, here no. we go. Yeah. Go ahead. None
0: of that will happen. Yeah. But I mean, you, you, I, you know, it's
1: true. You know. Wait, you know. Millie Vanilli now? Girl, you know you it's do, true? You do. No, I it, don't know it's true. This, this is hurt. How this can hurt. a force of nature be overrated? That's like you know tornadoes. It's artistically,
0: it's overrated. Compare that to Marvel. It's just not even.
1: See, here's the thing though. None of those things would exist without what Lucas originally did.
0: Well, okay. I thought we were just talking. How many components am I supposed to take into? this? Any I want to, all of them. Well, I mean, you can give about... any
1: answer you want. I wasn't going to argue with you until you brought me in and said, you know, yeah, you know it's true. You do. It's like looking at, you know, George Washington wasn't that good of a president. I mean, I, oh, I, I don't know how good of a president he was. I just know that if he wasn't any good, yeah. there wouldn't have been another president. I'm not... Okay.
0: I'm going to see the next movie, but I'm just, it's, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. And it is for most people. Most fans. I mean, more fans than not are frustrated with it.
1: For underrated, I think I'm going to go with, and I think the reason people have forgotten how good it is, because when they tried to bring this back, and it was like eight years ago now, if you can believe it's gone that, with the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, all right? For underrated, I'm going to go with the Indiana Jones series. Because I think we have forgotten how great it is, um, the, you know, they went from you know 1989 to the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, which was 2010, 11, when they did that movie without without a single film, and that movie's terrible. Um, but I think when you go back and watch the originals again, and there's no CGI, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is still would be in my top 10 all time favorite films. Uh, I think we have forgotten how great that that series, the first three um in in that series how great they truly were and i think they've been kind of lost in the shuffle with all of the modern technology and the stuff that we have today so i'm going to say that i think indiana jones is a franchise i think that's underrated
0: i will say that, uh, there's been three versions the third was not good but the first two are are very very underrated in my uh, estimation i they're kind of they're not much talked about but i i think the uh the first two narnia movies are just outstanding. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, Loved them. My mm-hmm. kids love them. Uh, I, I, I kind of never quite understood why they didn't seem to grab the consciousness like the Lord of the Rings movies uh, did. Um, I mean, they're not perfectly apples to apples, but I just think they nailed both of those.
1: Yeah, they're getting rebooted by Netflix, by the way.
0: I heard that, yeah. yeah.
1: But before everybody freaks out, because Obama, you know, like partially owns Netflix now, um it's uh, Lewis's estate is overseeing the oh, production yeah. of these, like they did with the Walden Media productions as well.
2: So I would say uh, over. I was going to do Pirates of the Caribbean. I just watched. I just watched the fifth one. Yeah, it was the fifth one a few months ago, and it's like, uh, um, it's it's all of the characters, none of the charm of the first one. The first one was awesome. Uh, so I was going to say Pirates of the Caribbean, but I would say in the totality of the series, uh, the first two were. Uh, off the chain good. The last two were terrible and the totality of the series is just I think overrated and that's Shrek. Love Shrek one and two. I agree with you actually. Three and four are just utterly the terrible. first
1: the first Shrek would be one of my top fifteen, twenty movies yep. ever. Yeah. But I agree they got progressively worse after that. You're right about that.
0: Oh wait no no. No, never say four is bad around my wife. I'm seriously Shrek she'll, Goes four. She'll, she'll forth. cut you. Three is anath- <laughs> Three is anathema. But uh, man, uh, two in the introduction of Puss in Boots, it's uh, it's outstanding. And, two. and Puss in Boots I,
1: is better in the Shrek Christmas special. Two was the yeah. two was the
2: introduction of Puss in Boots. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Two. That's, yeah. That's, no, what that's what I said. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. she said. Three. And four, and then four makes a comeback. Three is this weird. Justin Timberlake plays himself in the movie. Basically, it's it's not. It's not even close to the other three
2: interesting uh most underrated movie franchise uh i would say i and i just i'm just gonna i'm not doing this just to contradict todd but i just got done (laughs) watching all of the uh old star wars movies Mm -hmm. and all of the prequels that are still terrible they i think they are underrated just a little bit just a just a little bit by people um especially the especially the prequels, we'll just say that in in and of itself. I mean, the plot is bad and the acting is bad and I'm talking myself out of this now. Yep. <laughs> but no, it's as far as actually setting up the world's, and yeah, we're actually closer than you think. Introducing um new uh new worlds and new concepts, you know, expanding the universe a little bit. I think the prequels did that really well, a lot better than a lot All of All
0: three did of us it. could go back and watch those prequels and have the same like the, the nub of something great is there yes. and you just yeah. The last it. time I
1: watched episode 1, I thought I this is so much worse than I thought it was. Yeah. And the last time I watched episode 3, I thought this is a lot better than I remembered it being. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. Uh, let's see. Next question. As we uh, move on with three questions and I open up my phone, uh, family and faith matters aside, what's currently at the top of your bucket list and why?
1: Um, you mean in terms of things? Definitely. do do
2: before you kick the bucket?
1: Um, I would like to experience a, uh, a Michigan Ohio State game from the sidelines in Columbus when Michigan wins, and I know it seems like well they don't have, they used to win there every frequently they just haven't done it since the year 2000. But I would like to know what it's like to re, just how cool it would be to receive all of that hate mm-hmm. and all of that vitriol, and yeah. to just just to walk yeah. out of there with you know cool mo d how you like me now with a mic drop you know, with your favorite team singing the fight song on their turf. So I think I'd go with that.
0: I would like, um, travel in general, just having the cash to just, yeah, let's take this trip, but particularly uh, at some time, uh, in a, a really cool part of the world t- to experience, uh, either the, uh, Olympics or the world cup, just the coming together of the world in a moment, uh, of, of genuine hey it's like it's the it's the version of what Steve and and Kurt do we're just we talk sports and people coming together letting the other garbage go and just Mm -hmm. compete and appreciate your fellow man and let the best man or woman win Mm mm-hmm
2: I would like to actually climb something or do something that involves physical activity that's actually impressive, like climb a mountain or something. Mm-hmm. That would be nice because the amount of time and training you would actually would actually require, and to say that you could do that, I wouldn't do want to do you know Mount Everest and walk by all the dead bodies. No, no, going on the way up. But. I
1: want to make sure. I thought we were choosing things that are potentially achievable, that are like realistic. What are you saying? <laughs> Just, you like you're to,
0: you're a shut-in yeah. who makes coffee tables, that's what he's saying. Would you like to refine that point? <laughs> I'm just
1: I'm just messing with you, Speaking man. Speaking of nubs. no. Uh,
2: let's see. Final question. Uh, say you did have the cash to travel, Todd. Um, to do whatever you want or Steve or myself. If you had a fully uh, a fully paid inclusive vacation, all-inclusive in vacation for you, your wife, your family, but it had to be somewhere outside of the United States. What are your top 3 destinations and why?
1: Okay, you want to go first.
0: And I'm I'm probably going to be boring uh about this, but it's it's definitely Israel. It's definitely uh Rome. Well, let me now let me think on my third.
2: I'll tell you where I'd want to go. Okay. Australia. I want to go to the Outback someday. Mm -hmm. Uh, New Zealand. uh, I think that would be a really cool country to visit. And probably Japan as well. Although that country is a little crazy and weird. It it does look like a cool place to visit, though. Please,
0: I I know I like to think about Please give me the best ugly American answer ever to this question.
2: (laughs) We gave you lots of time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I was... None of them. (laughs) None. I was kind of thinking maine um, <laughs> Canada, California, <laughs> California. <laughs> oh, now that's that answers some four dimensional chess. My first two would be your first two would be this I'd have the same first two that you would have. Uh, um, uh, it would be Israel and it would be Rome, uh, probably for the exact same two reasons that you would give. Uh, I, the debate for me would, would also be over the third. Um, and you, you, you both said, or actually Aaron said the two places that it would be a debate that I would debate. Um, I, I, I would be fascinated to see, uh, what life is, you know, the far East. So you mentioned, uh, like Japan, yeah. like a Tokyo. Yep. Um, I think I'd be fascinated to go to a Beijing, and and just get an idea of what what life, what does it look like with materialism, Western materialism on the outside and secular tyranny kind of underneath all of those external trappings and to get an idea of, uh, frankly, what the future of this country looks like, probably, minus revival. But Australia would be pretty high on the list too. And I, I would have a hard time narrowing down the third choice. So it would be... One of the cultural meccas uh, out there in the Far East, either Beijing or, or Tokyo or Australia as well, would be probably the third place on my list. All right, uh, yeah.
0: I did. How about uh, Athens? You know, or Athens. And is, I thought
1: about that too. Athens or yeah. Egypt,
0: just to see the classic startings of civilization. I,
1: I thought about it. I thought about. I thought about Athens too. I thought about that as well. Hey, reports say this is normally the time of year when most of your New Year's resolutions uh, have lost all of their resolve. And, of course, it kind of makes sense when nowadays the number one New Year's resolution uh, is to get healthier and to lose weight. You know, what happens as we get older, um, our bodies kind of resist that. And one of the reasons they resist is we just don't have the metabolism we used to have when we were younger. So you may have you may have actually not, you know, um, violated your your promises at, at the beginning of the year. You may have worked really hard and still not gotten the results that you wanted, uh, particularly if you're you know in your mid-30s or beyond. You just don't have the metabolic rate you used to have, and it's hard to kick that into high gear and then to get your metabolism to shut down and tell itself when to stop eating too. That's why I want to introduce you to a new product. It's called Riduzone. Now, this is not a stimulant. Uh, this is an all-natural product. You turn over the label, and there's literally four ingredients. And one of the primary substances you find in Riduzone is called OEA. It's one of the uh, dominant substances that makes up what we know as olive oil. Our bodies produce this, uh, just not as much of it the older we get. And it's a metabolic and, uh, it, regulator. But it also, uh, if it's slow, will kick it into high gear as well. So if you want to kick your metabolism into high gear with OEA, go drink yourself a bottle of olive oil a day. Then You may think that's maybe in a very intense option. You'd want one less intensive. That's the same amount of OEA that you get in one capsule of Riduzone. And right now you can uh, try for 30% off a three-month supply. If you use my name as a promo code, Steve, when you go to Riduzone.com, that's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Riduzone.com, promo code Steve, uh, and you'll get 30% off a three-month supply. Were you surprised by any of my answers of where I would go, Aaron? Yes. What did you think I was gonna say?
2: Uh, Canada. Mexico.
1: <laughs> the closest places to the United <laughs> yeah. States.
2: And and maybe if you're feeling feeling your oats a little bit, Cuba. You nice. Know. nice. But that's 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 about what I thought.
1: Uh, see, here's my issue is I like being in different places. Don't like I don't like there. traveling yeah. there. That's my issue. When they finally invent that transporter technology, guys. 5,000, I'm out. I mean, I'm going everywhere with that. You know, just scatter my atoms and reassemble my molecules Mm -hmm. and we're good to go, you know? You don't ask for much. (laughs) (laughs) I really am, man. I'm a low-maintenance guy. I'm a simple fella, all right? (laughs) I just don't want to have to get from here to there.
2: I just want to be wherever I want to be instantaneously.
1: (laughs) I just want astral projection. That's all I want. What, go- what the hell is going on around here?
2: That would be cool, though. I mean, every, everybody everybody talks about wanting to go to Israel. Um, I, I don't know. It, that, that would be – I wonder how much it would affect us just actually being able to you – know, like we, we talk about it, but mm-hmm. actually seeing where Christ and the apostles – were and walked you know literally yep um wonder how that would uh
1: i've been invited to go go numerous times i i just haven't I, i want the first time i go i want to be able to go with my wife and i haven't been able to line it up with her schedule and mine so i've been invited to go like a half dozen times i just haven't been able to set it up that we could both go together so that's kind of what i'm holding out for we'll come back hour two live and on demand on the blaze next stay tuned Greetings, we're back with Hour Two, live and on demand on the Blaze. 88 hundred thirty-three ninety-three is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Well, if you're gonna like us on Facebook, you gotta press that like button at least uh, you know, 30 times. And then maybe one of them should Facebook uh, you know, be caught looking the other way and reverse temporarily my shadow ban. One of them may actually be recorded, all right? So like us on Facebook, follow us on, like us on Facebook a lot. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, and if you are listening today via podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate that on the podcast platform of your choice. Thank you to those of you who have done this already. We're gonna get to Theology, Th- Theology Thursday coming up here in uh, just a little bit. And we'll do a wrap of the series we just uh, walked through with the audience uh, on the book of Colossians. I, I just I, I got a couple of emails though. I got to share with you from a guy named Michael McCann lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. Send me a note first ten minutes into the show. Todd is on fire today, right? He just sent me a note 10 minutes ago after hearing you dunk on Star Wars. He says, Todd is starting to fade. <laughs> that was tough, tough, but fair. Tough, but fair, Todd. Yeah, so that last slider didn't have much of a break. Michael says might be time uh, for Captain Hook go out to the mound and, uh, and to pull him. Uh, I kept my promise, uh, uh, by the way, uh, Aaron, I did bring you. Uh, my, that bottle of, from dawn to dusk, it's in my back. Oh, that's good. All right. From our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition. All right. So I'm going to let, I'm going to share that with you. Now they've got another fantastic product there as well. If you are struggling to get your kids, eat their vegetables, try getting them to drink them instead, uh, with a fantastic new formula that is an actual food called, Uh, from our friends at BrickHouse Nutrition Field of Greens. All right. Uh, This is one scoop. Uh, Put it in uh, any water-based drink. I will mix it in my teas sometimes. Stir it up and you're done. Uh, Not a whole bunch of chemicals, uh, a bunch of additives, preservatives. None of that stuff is in there. Uh, This is real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. So you're going to get all the antioxidants, the immunity booster, the antioxidant power, the prebiotic, probiotic stuff that's missing from a lot of your uh, stripped bare of their vitamins and minerals food that we eat today, heavily processed, uh, and you're going to get uh, all that stuff put back in there uh, with Field of Green. So no more excuses uh, that, uh, hey, I can't get in my, field, my fruits and vegetables anymore. And the cool thing about this, too, is it tastes great. Uh, but it doesn't have, you know, all the sugar of those uh, you know, naked drinks that uh, kind of have some of the same ingredients but also have, you know, 300 grams of sugar to go along with them. If you want to try this, uh, you can get 15% off your first order if you go to brickhousesteve.com right now, use my name Steve as a promo code to get that 15% discount. brickhousesteve.com offer code steve for 15% off your first order when you check out at brickhousesteve.com. All right, let's get to today's truth bomb. Brought to you by my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies, Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. Endorsed by several people you like more than me. Uh, Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino, Mark Levin, Matt Walsh, and of course, Glenn Beck. You can pick up your copy wherever Kamala Harris's books are sold. Or if you don't want to have to find out where her book is at, because apparently that's where mine gets placed in the bookstores, just go to Amazon.com, pick up your copy today. And if you've had a chance to read it, and if you liked it, if you would leave us a five-star review uh, at Amazon.com, we would appreciate that as well. So I got to drop a couple of truth bombs on myself today. All right, a couple of fact checks. I made a couple of errors recently that, that need to be corrected. All right, the first one I, I must say And this isn't my attempt to, you know, pass off the blame. This was my faux pas. I misspoke yesterday. I meant to say NASA. I said another word beginning with NA that's loosely affiliated with the or that's loosely affiliated with the term NASA and said the word Navy instead. Okay. Oh no. All right. But I am I'm hoping you guys just felt bad for me and didn't pile on. But when I said yesterday that, you know, we talked about what's unconstitutional, what's anti constitutional, I mentioned the word Navy's not in the Constitution. I meant to say NASA. Navy is in the Constitution. One of you, and I forgot his name, dang it, corrected me like five minutes after. Props to you. Should I be disappointed that I don't have like twenty five corrections in my inbox of that? Or do you think they were the audience was just trying to be nice and let that miss miss that malaprop slide, do you think?
0: Well, I don't think they really, it 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 wasn't fighting words or anything like that. It was just,
1: it was a
2: minor point of the conversation.
1: I I just, I'm not sure whether I should have gotten actually more criticism for that, (laughs) given the subject matter, if you know what I'm saying, right? Like I would, I kind of hope that if I made a habit of claiming stuff wasn't in the constitution that was, that my inbox would blow up with people saying, you know, basically Jane, you ignorant slut, right? I mean, I'd I'd, kind of like that to be the reaction. I'm a little disappointed we only got one of those. So, my bad. The other thing, too, is if you know the lovely Miss Elizabeth Gentle in Huntsville, Alabama, and you have an interest in her career. uh, You're part of her friends and family. Uh, She, of course, was the reporter that brought the world, the, the, the genius, the brilliance, that is Antoine Dodson and the bed intruder. Maybe one of the greatest, um, the greatest acts of journalism in recent memory. Check that—the greatest act of journalism in recent memory. I bought into an urban legend that she was fired for that, and it turns out that's fake news too. Hmm. That she still is working at that same station. Somebody got fired for one of these stories. Though. Yeah, I'm in Huntsville, not. Alabama. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't Elizabeth Gentle who is, and should be, for this momentous work, a worldwide sensation. So well I wanted to correct the record on that.
2: Todd brought the uh, brought the whip in today, so it's time for the 50 lashes. Do you think if we did that live, that bait would click itself?
1: I think that bait would click itself. I think I could get unbanned. I think Facebook might move me yeah. up to 108,000. 50 columns. lashes a week for if, 2,000 If, 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 if we 2000 incorporated likes, me yeah. getting whipped, I think Facebook would unshadow ban me for that, don't you? Yeah, drippings strip. to the poor. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Drippings to the poor. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, so Theology Thursday, we have uh, spent, I went back, we started this last August, by the way. Holy cow. Yeah, we started this last August, this uh, study on uh, the Book of Colossians. Yeah, we took some were we some detours, there, breaks. Yeah. We had Christmas vacations and other things, and Thanksgiving. But yeah, I mean we we spent with you know some detours. We we spent six months on this book. Okay, and for those of you that are new to the show, we've had a, a, a we used to it used to be called Worldview Wednesday, and then we decided that we were gonna when we went into 2018, we were gonna make Worldview the dominant um, premise of the program on a daily basis. And and then it became Theology Thursday. And so we were going to, instead of a broader um, worldview conversation, we're going to have a more specific the- theological one. And uh, I was sitting in church, uh, you know, about a year ago, and I've had this inspiration to do a Bible study, and we had never done one before. But then it's got to be something that, um, you know, we're, I guess, I, I'd be kind to call us learned laymen. None of us here are classically trained theologically. We're just learned laymen. We've read a lot about our belief systems and studied it, but laymen we remain. So what would be something that we feel we'd be qualified to to guide a study through that would also though have a wide enough application for the diversity of the audience we have. And I was sitting in church one day and, you know, um, we weren't doing Colossians in church. Actually, we were finishing a series on Romans and I was sitting in church one day and, uh, you know, do not be, allow yourself to be held captive by hollow and deceptive philosophy. Based on the wisdom of this world, that's out of Col- that's out of Colossians, you'll recall, and uh, and and that prompted me to say, hey, let's do Colossians as the study, and so we laid some ground rules at the beginning of the study. We would just host it like you would host a Bible study at your home, with a couple of exceptions: no commentaries and no notes. Okay, and the reason we did it that way is is not because we we started off telling you we're not experts here. We're learning layman. But we, we wanted to make sure that the ideas and thoughts we were communicating came directly from us rather than influences from the notes at the bottom of the page or commentaries and things of that nature. Um, and then we said, any questions, comments, or insults? Because we would... It took us six months to do it this this way. Imagine if we had taken questions, comments, or insults on the fly, all right? That we would save those for the end. And once we finished the book, we would do one dedicated uh, episode of Theology Thursday to just responding to as many of those as we could, right? Right. Okay. So with all of those ground rules and disclaimers satisfied, and now that we have completed the book of Colossians, I have a list of questions that were brought up uh, and challenges over the course of our study, and and these that I've picked are kind of the composites of themes that were repeated on a, um, on, repeated by several different people, and some of them were things that were unique that I thought were worthy of us uh, discussing. You guys Good. ready to go? I would be disappointed if they weren't. Yep. So let's begin with Tracy. Um, Tracy writes, "Can you give us some current examples of the hollow and deceptive philosophy?" Paul warns us about infiltrating our churches that is happening today. And is it always harmful? This is a good follow-up question to clarify the original. Is it always harmful to use worldly thinking in the church? For example, are all modern innovations bad just because they're modern? So I think this is a, this is a very important and properly worded question in my view. Um, When you look at hollow and deceptive philosophy, Paul puts a further qualifier on what that means, okay, when he says that are based on the elemental spirits of this world, meaning that hollow and deceptive doesn't necessarily mean frivolous. Like if, you know, if your pastor, today's opening day. Your pastor's a big baseball fan and he's using something, you know, from opening day in baseball to, to that, you know, uh, to make, to make a parallel point that might be applicable. That's Paul quoting a version of Paul quoting the poet Virgil to the Greeks at the Areopagus, for example. Um, that's, that's a version of Jesus using, uh, idioms and, um, and expressions that, that were native to that time when he uses references like a camel passing through an eye of the needle or referring to actors as hypocrites, these were, these were idioms, expressions, that, similes, metaphors that were common with the people at that time, okay? So let's, let's make sure modern is not always bad. Frivolous is not the same as hollow and deceptive, okay? Um, hollow and deceptive, and what Paul means by this is what he, is what he says next. The things that are based on the elemental spirits of this world. So, like using the example I just gave of your pastor, if he's a big baseball fan and he uses opening day as an occasion to as an example of a point that he wants to make, if he's up there preaching that um, life lessons from baseball, now that's different, okay? Um, you know, if your pastor stands up there and says, the one constant through all the years, Ray, if he's doing that, okay, as opposed to in the beginning was the word, that's not good. <laughs> all right? What, that's, that's, that's a, that, he's preaching a hollow and deceptive philosophy. All right? Uh, because he's preaching things based on the elemental spirits of this world. Now, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Uh, you know, the theologian Abraham Kuyper, one of his famous sayings is, there's not one square inch of creation over which Christ does not claim, that's mine. So if you want to use the creation and the things that are happening within it as a natural resource to point people towards the source of truth and salvation and grace and mercy, that's kind of in a way what we're trying to do here on a daily basis. But if you are communicating to people that the things of this world are the source of truth and salvation and grace and mercy. Now, that's different. Okay? And let me stop there before I move on to some ways that you could potentially tell. You guys want to add, subtract, multiply, divide from that?
0: No, I— I, I. I want to get to as many questions as possible, and unless I think I really can add something that you didn't say, I mean, I I think you nailed it. Okay. Agreed.
1: Okay. So, if you have um, hollow and deceptive philosophy, will either put, and this is this is an always. I'm going to put an always here, and you guys tell me if you disagree with an always when you, when I t- explain my point. Okay. Hollow and deceptive philosophy will always do one of two things. Either overemphasize morality or underemphasize it. Hollow and deceptive philosophy will either say, you must live a certain way. And usually it will be an expansion of moral principles beyond what the scriptures have already articulated. Legalism. Yes. Okay. You must live a certain way to then be accepted by God. And they will produce self-righteousness. And that you living in the same way we do is a sign that you're one of the special people and God likes you more than other people. Okay. Or it will go the other way. It will promote licentiousness.
0: Epicureanism. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Catholics. I told you I'd pop in when yeah, I. Yeah, every now a and then. Every now him. and then.
1: Every now and then, where he's dropping some catechesis on us. Every now and then. Epico- yes. Epic. Mm-hmm. He pronounced it right the and first I, time. I <laughs> <it was
0: great. laughs> I know you're surprised with that. But I love the way now.
1: you gracefully tapped out there too into a compliment. That was perfect. <laughs> oh, good. So if if now I'm I'm being careful here because. Um, If you are of a certain orthodox Christian bent that believes in the perseverance of the saints, that you can't lose your salvation, you sometimes get accused of preaching antinomianism by your detractors. You sometimes get accused of saying, well, you're telling people they can live any way they want. And and God will be okay with it because they're already saved. When I when your answer would be, no, you would live differently because you're saved. All right? it, that it's a false choice. So I'm trying to be careful here. On the other hand, if you come from an Orthodox Christian view that believes you can lose your salvation, you would be, you would be accused of your detractors of preaching, hey, I've got to make these moral decisions minute by minute, or I could, I could, you know, God could kick me out if I blow this one right here, right? I'm not saying that. Because that tension doesn't exist in hollow and deceptive philosophy. Hollow and deceptive philosophy is not attempting to properly find its place within God's command. Hollow and deceptive philosophy is altering God's commands. Hollow and deceptive philosophy is saying, "Well, actually, God's even altering His commands for us." That's what I mean. So, self-esteem, for example. Two words you won't find anywhere in the scriptures. In fact, you are the, in the Old Testament, you were to make sacrifices in, as, a, as a picture of the penalty of your sin. And in the New Testament, you are to metaphorically die daily in recognition of your sin. Okay? So self-esteem is not thought of really highly from Genesis to Revelation. It's not really something that's stressed quite a bit in the scriptures. <laughs> in fact, it's pretty much destroyed. Stem to Stern. And it also happens to be the base philosophy of America's public education system, but that's a topic for another day. Okay, so that, I, I want to make sure I'm, and I'm, I don't want to get too far in the weeds with this, but if you are in a system, in a religious system that makes you feel as if A, you can never be good enough or B, no conviction is ever happening, chances are you're in a system That is held captive by hollow and deceptive philosophy. Your thoughts on that, gentlemen?
2: Yes, I would add this as well. Uh, On on another thing, um, on another note, I think another way that this is is the area of kind of the – in evangelical circles at least as far as I'm aware and I've seen this a lot – the kind of um, confluence of tradition and legalism, saying, "Well, this practice worked for these guys because their church grew, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's where we're—that's why we're going to do it the same way." Mm-hmm. Because that's now it could be that those people that they're pointing to at that point in time were doing it because. Uh, they had the same motivations about somebody else, or it could be that, that that was legitimately where the Lord was leading them. But that is looking at human mm-hmm. philosophy and human tradition as we understand it or perceive it instead of trying to follow the Lord's will for what he would have you to do.
1: Can I, before I get yeah, to you, sure. I want because that point is very important what you just said, is the so-called church growth movement that dominated the 90s and 2000s and e- American evangelicalism, would I say it is fundamentally and inherently hollow and deceptive philosophy? No, I would not. No, I would not. Can it, and has it often, though, devolved into that? Yeah. And how does that happen? Okay? How it happens is, you know a tree by its fruit. Okay? Well, sometimes trees have rotten fruit. And if rotten fruit is left on a tree, what will it do to the rest of the fruit on the tree? Hot. It will rotten it too. It will spread. And sometimes that, that tree has a lot of rotten yes. fruit. Yes. Someone must come along and uh, and prune that tree. But sometimes we can decide we don't want to be pruned anymore. We have a certain system of doing things here that has proven to keep the lights on, pay the bills, draw a crowd. All right? And so, you know, I've made this point before. Men like Spurgeon, Calvin preached to churches and congregations of thousands. Technically, the first Christian congregation is Saint Peter standing up at the temple, saying, "Hey, you all murdered your Messiah, turn or burn," and three thousand men, not counting women and children, become converted, and that's really the seed of the Christian church is that moment right there. That would be by by our calculations in the West, we would call that a megachurch. Okay, I mean they they were. The apostles were out there doing church growth. Right? They, they were risking their lives to grow this message, to spread this message, to take it to the ends of the earth. That's the Great Commission. But when, when the when when the when the methodology when the message is bent to serve the methodology rather than the methodology bent to advance the message, that is there where. Your, your goal to originally grow a, a, a church because you want to take a message that heals and delivers and saves people, you want to advance it, can get morphed into, well, maybe this time I can't say that because these people will leave or this crowd won't be the same. And so it's not even always that it starts off being hollow and deceptive philosophy, but over time it can, it can, it can rot into that at, because, you know, um, we don't finish the race, Todd.
0: Well, I'm just riffing on it in a different way. This is why I say and it's so important to remember we have a rated R faith. That rated our faith is constantly calling us to go against our human nature to do the things we don't want to do and to glorify God. We we joke about Joel Osteen, but there's a lot of Joel Oldstein's church and yep. a lot of y'all's churches and including mine and because we like it better and it's easier. It's what we right. want. Feels good. God wants us to want what he wants for us. And it's that's why anytime our PG our faith becomes PG Man, it just starts sliding That's off exactly the rails. That's exactly
1: right. That's an Osteen's an example of what I said when I said a minute ago. If if you if you if you find yourself constantly walking out of church, feeling as if a I'm never good enough or b I'm never convicted, he would be in the never convicted part. If you know you don't you shouldn't be encouraged all the time. You have rated our faith. How encouraged do you think the Lord of the Universe when He says? Why, oh why, Lord, have you forsaken me? How encouraging do you think he was at that moment? Was he feeling encouraged?
2: He was living his best <laughs> life now. Probably no, not. That's...
1: Hey, speaking of that, hey, when Paul when, when was Paul encouraged? When he was shipwrecked? Beaten. Falsely imprisoned. How about decapitated? Snake bitten. Snake bitten? Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't be encouraged sometimes. Sometimes you suck. And someone needs to tell you. And sometimes I do, and someone needs to tell me. God will suck tomorrow because he's been too good today, and I'm going to have to tell him tomorrow, dude, I warned you, you were going to suck. Sometimes someone needs to say to you, you know, you suck. Another way of saying it is, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin up on that cross. If everything was encouraging, there'd be no need for a cross. Why is he up there bleeding out? Well, he had a bad day. <laughs> People suck. And sometimes you need to be told that. On the other hand, if you're never encouraged, if you're frequently not encouraged when you walk out, if you're never good enough, you know, while you sucked, Jesus died for you. While you were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. So in our state of suckitude, Jesus still died for us at the same time. But that should be the source of your encouragement him and what he's done for you and what he's doing through you and in you, not in wish fulfillment. Not, is my life comfortable? Not, did I check my boxes? Not, did I make it? Not, am I skinny? Am I rich? Do I have six-pack abs? That's not the point to any of this. Now, this next one. Oh, baby. Eric, a common argument from skeptics to Christianity, I often see, is that Jesus never claimed to be God. And yet, based on the Jesus... uh, And yet... um, Oops, I think I have a typo there. And yet, based on the Christology you shared from Paul in the very beginning of Colossians, it's pretty clear Paul is teaching Jesus as God. Yeah, that's what he's teaching. That's very clear. But Paul wasn't one of the original apostles, so what was his evidence that Jesus is God based on? Is this a teaching Paul introduced or one that preexisted Paul? That. That's that's good questioning.
0: Well, there's a... There's a lot of scholarship uh, about this, even more broadly than this one question. There was there was the Church of Jesus, and then there was the the Church of Paul, and never right. the Twain shall meet kind of right. thing. That's out
1: there, and it has been for a the, long the time. The red letter thing, yeah. Unless uh, um, uh, unless it was in, it's in red letters, we don't you know. And that was the Jesus seminar thing from the '90s, for example. Um, the teaching that Jesus is God. Absolutely predates Paul, and it's in the Gospels. Um, The Gospel of John. I mean, if you're going to deny the divinity of Christ, you essentially have to remove whole books from the New Testament. Many of them are epistles, I would agree, but absolutely at least one of the Gospels, you just have to remove it whole cloth. Next week, we're going to do... we're going to do a mess, a theology Thursday on a part of scripture that most of us are familiar with, whether we're religious or not, because we've heard the story, but I think it has a unique contemporary application that I want us to address. Okay. But with contained within that part of scripture, we're going to talk about next week in the gospel. it's from the gospel of John. It's about the woman, it's about the adulterous woman. All right. But, but contained in that actually is a context is Jesus is going to Jerusalem for the festival of shelters. And, and during, during this time, he has rhetorical and verbal flourishes and confrontations with the religious leaders who don't believe he's the Messiah. And he says things that sound odd or metaphorical to us. And, and, and they are metaphorical, but not in the broad way we think today, 2,000 years later in the West. But they were much more specifically metaphorical. Remember, the whole debate at the beginning of Christianity is just Jews arguing with Jews about whether Jesus is the Messiah or not. Most of the Bibles written by Jews. Most of the people that spread the gospel were Jews. Jesus himself was a Jew. Most of the people that didn't agree that he was the Messiah were also Jews. So this is largely a Jewish argument until Paul... Has the has the 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 ministry of the Gentiles and starts taking it uh, to the Greek Gentile world. But at the beginning, this is an explicitly Jewish argument: Is Jesus the Son of David? Is he the Son of Man? Is he the Messiah or not? That's the argument. And Paul even took part of that argument, which is why you saw even in his ministry to the Gentiles, often when he went someplace for the first time, where would he visit first? What landmark in that community where he would he often go first when he visited there? The synagogue, the local synagogue is where he would often visit first. Make the connection there. Because he never, never, he never lost sight. He never, he never lost touch with the Jewish aspect of his own heritage, his own upbringing. He saw Christ as the fulfillment of that heritage and upbringing. That he was the Messiah. What, he, what the scriptures that he knew as the Torah were pointing towards him. Well, in this argument in the Gospel of John... That is taking place, Jesus makes references that to us seem poetically metaphorical, meaning they're eloquent. But to the audience he's speaking to, they're a different kind of metaphor. They are specific religious metaphorical. And that was the source of the debate. And it goes to the answer to Eric's question. We'll talk about that some more here when we come back. Stay tuned. <laughs> So right now there are 50 million kids attending America's public schools. You know what? The left that controls those schools, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. They made it clear uh, that their intent is to indoctrinate our children into their ideology. And it's not just the ideology, but real world skills are suffering now too. reading, writing, arithmetic, American history. They've been replaced with social justice, gender confusion, test driven instruction uh, in the classroom. And thankfully though, now, you have a choice. And this is why Freedom Project Academy was created. Freedom Project Academy is an accredited classical online school built on Judeo-Christian values for its students from kindergarten all the way through high school. Freedom Project Academy has taken the interaction of the traditional classroom. It's uh, then created an online atmosphere where students across the country are instructed by live teachers uh, in small classrooms who teach students how to think not want to think. My son Noah's done this the last few years right from our own home uh, in a classroom with a live teacher several hours a day. Uh, through Freedom Project Academy. Now, if you want to check it out, uh, go to freedomforschool.com and request your free information packet today. That's freedomforschool.com, freedomforschool.com. Enroll by March 31st to take advantage of the best early bird discount. freedomforschool.com. And also, you know, the guy who was instrumental in creating this, Dr. Duke Pesta, great guy, been on our show before, uh, was one of the uh, pioneer opponents, To Common Core, he's got a cool podcast. You want to listen to that as well. Uh, Look for the Dr. Duke show on on, uh, iTunes, Dr. Duke on iTunes. Uh, But if you want to learn more about taking back control of your kid's education, freedomforschool.com, freedomforschool.com. All right, so back to this question from Eric as we wrap up our series on Colossians. And his question is, Paul in the Christology we went through in Colossians is clearly making the case that Jesus is God incarnate. But skeptics often will say, Jesus didn't shoot, did, didn't say that he was God. And, they'll, and the reason why this is important too, well, A, is because it goes to the character of Christ. Like you can't kind of say he was a good moral teacher and then at the same time turn around and say, but he just lied to everybody about, you know, who he really was and or or didn't disclose to everybody who he really was. Those those things aren't congruent. And, and the other reason this matters too is because you'll hear people drop canards like, well, Jesus never talked about uh, homosexuality. Well, actually he did uh, in one of the gospels. He said, you have heard it said, the creator created them male and female. And for this reason, uh, you know, a man will leave uh, his mother and father and cleave to his wife and the two will become one, quoting the words of Moses uh, from, uh, from uh, uh, the Pentateuch. So he did talk about the issue, but that notwithstanding, uh, if you believe Jesus is God, then, uh, then you, in, in a Trinitarian worldview, Every time the subject is, uh, the, these moral subjects are addressed in Deuteronomy, Leviticus, anywhere from the, from the Old Testament to the New, that's Jesus addressing those things. There's, there wasn't, from a from the Christi- the Trinitarian Christian worldview, there isn't the God of the Old Testament and then the God of the New, okay? They're the same God, all right? Hear, o Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. Now, I know non-Messianic Jews have a different understanding of what that one means. From a Christian perspective, that's how we interpret that Shema to me. Okay? So this is why this is one of the most important questions of the faith is this debate right here. All right. In fact, one of the very first heresies the church had to confront was a guy who came along who said, Yeah, the old that's the Jesus isn't in the in, in the old testament. The old testament's a different God, yada, yada, yada. This is one of the oldest games of the in in, in the in the enemy playbook, is this debate. Okay. But I talked about Yeah, there's other places where this comes up. But you would have to eliminate the entire gospel of John if you don't buy into Jesus being God. And one of the key moments when this comes up is um, in the seventh and eighth chapters of John, I think it is. And this is when Jesus goes to the festival of tabernacles or festival of shelters um, in Jerusalem. And there's three things that he says there that to us seem, in a Western 21st century mindset, seem poetically metaphorical. Because they are metaphorical, all right? He's not not literally water, for example, okay? He's not literally light. He's literally a man, okay? All right? He's also not named I am. He has a name. Um, The angel went to Mary and said, and you will name him Jesus. He has a name. So all these things he says are metaphors, but they are not meant to be poetic eloquence as we often see them and read them in a Western mindset today. They are specific religious metaphors he's making. So during the Feast of Tabernacles, for example, one of the things that would happen, and I don't have the time to get into all of the specifics here, but there would be a pouring out of water towards the end. That would be a celebration among the people. It is during this moment, during this moment, that Jesus stands up and says, Whoever comes to me will have life giving water and will never be thirsty. He is saying that right that you're witnessing here, that you're rightfully coming here to celebrate perennially, is a metaphor pointing to me. I'm not the metaphor. That is. That's what he's saying. That's that's a reference to me. I'm that water. In in terms of effectual, what what the metaphor of of this ritual represents, I'm the embodiment of it. One of the things that went on during the Feast of Tabernacles, it was called, I believe it's called the illumination. And if there's any Messianic or non-Messianic Jews in the audience, and I'm getting this wrong, you know, spank me and I'll correct the record. But I got to do this on the fly with the time we had remaining. And what they would do is they would light up the temple at night. Illuminate it. It It's during this that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He is saying a metaphor is happening here. But your tradition is the metaphor. I'm the incarnate of what this all means. You have it backwards. I'm not the metaphor. You're doing the metaphor for me. (laughs) You've been doing these metaphors in anticipation of me coming. That's what he's saying. And then later he says, before Abraham was, before Father Abraham, the father of many nations, but particularly and most specifically the Jewish nation. Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Now if you go go back way into the Old Testament, and Moses, and God is speaking to Moses through a burning bush. He says, go back. Go back to Egypt, and you will be the you will be my instrument of deliverance for your people. The defrocked prince, you return. You're going to deliver my people. And Mo's like, uh, "Yeah, I my Q rating is not really high right now. Okay, I'm not trending on Twitter right now. <laughs> right? Um, so when I go back to these people that likely won't believe me, uh, who should I tell them? set me. What is God's answer? Tell them I am sent you. That's what Jesus is referencing. This is why there was anger, folks. If he just walked if if he was just making claims, "Hey, I'm a good prophet with some new ideas." They might have debated his new ideas. They might have liked him, they might have not liked him, but they wouldn't have felt existentially threatened the existential fundamental debate came from they understood what he was saying he is saying he is god that's what he's saying and this is repeated the son becomes the father and the father becomes the son this is repeated all it, it's 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 mentioned elsewhere in the gospels but it is the most direct thread throughout the gospel of john so if you want to reject jesus's divinity you essentially have to take john's gospel and flush an entire gospel out of out of the word of God. You guys want to add anything to that? I would just say you have to flush more than that. You pretty much need
0: to flush your faith. Steve is just doing a really eloquent whiff on Lord, liar, lunatic. He is the son of God, or you sh- you should shake the dust from your feet and go do something else. Worship somebody else. Don't worship at all. But this is the nub of the man. Either
2: he either... Christ is the most intricate, elaborate, miraculous huckster of all of history, human history, or he is the Savior. There is no middle ground. We're, are we given a middle ground in scriptures? I don't think we're ever given anywhere close to a middle ground in scriptures. Either he is a con man, the greatest con man of all time. No one will ever – you'll never see a, another con man like this again. Or he is y- your Savior. Um, there is no middle ground. That's, that's essentially what mm-hmm. the, the conversation that we're having here is. And yes, there's that, uh, in the, um, you know, the, the book of John, essentially, I mean, from the very first, um, uh, ch- you know, the very first, uh, um, chapter and verse of that uh, book of the Bible. And then the Christology that is Colossians that we've gone through for months now, um, There is no reason, unless you are just an atheist who has never read the Bible um, or or just wants something to be true, there's no reason, uh, once you're presented with what we just presented to you, why you should ever believe or think that um, he is anything other than a savior or just an elaborate con man.
1: Yeah, and that's why there was such a debate about this. Because they understood, they understood, they understood that he wasn't leaving them another option. They understood that, you know, and, and, and that, and that's why it was going to pit people against each other because it was one or the other. There wasn't a way of massaging this, you know, it was one or the other. So I wanted to take, I put those two questions at the front because I knew they would take the bulk of our time. And, and I thought they were given themes that are reoccurring on our show. They were the ones that I thought deserved the bulk of the time. We'll go through the rest of these. Um, a little bit faster. Jake Wilson, uh, I really enjoyed your comparison of Paul's words to the world we live in today. It did, however, bring to mind what the pagan progressive response might be regarding immigration. Would they not say that if we are all one in Christ, would we not then be hypocritical in our viewpoint that unchecked immigration is not something we should be against? This is, of course, considering that the Latin American immigrants are largely Catholics. Would not Colossians seem to say that? I was wondering your thoughts or what your thoughts on this would be. Actually, Jake is articulating the sort of, uh, I've, I've actually heard these kinds of arguments from leftists. Uh, and my initial response is, congratulations, the leftists finally found a theocracy that they want to impose on everybody else. Number one, so we we you do want to take God's word and, and make our laws based on it, number one. Well, no, th- that's kind of the snotty response. But the other response is, um, that's, a, that's a reference to, all of us who are believers, regardless of custom, culture, language, uh, gender, uh, all of us who are believers now have our identity in the universal body of Jesus Christ because he is the vine, we are the branch. Uh, uh, you know, United with him, we will produce much fruit, but apart from him, we will do nothing. That's not a reference to uh, a nation state. Uh, in fact, um, the same God that rose Jesus from the dead— uh, established a nation state. and one of the harshest penalties within that nation state was the violation of its borders. There were to be boundary stones. Um, you weren't even to, in fact, private property and borders were so respected that if you wanted to emigrate to this country, you had to change your religion, All right. There was no little Edom. There was no little Philistia uh, within uh, Israel. You wanted to immigrate there. You had to change your religion. Go read the book of Ruth. There's a reference to that, for example. Um, Private property rights were so well respected that there were years of jubilee, years of forgiveness where property had to be returned, um, that if you had gone too far into debt beyond what the law had commanded, you were allowed and had put your grandparents and future generations in debt with loss of property. Uh, that debt was to be forgiven. Uh, you know, these principles that we have in the West of, of so- national sovereignty borders, uh, that we have of, 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 of a high value of private property, we didn't just make these up. These come from what the scriptures have revealed throughout the course of human history. That That's where we get our concepts from. Um, this is from um, Steve Mitchell who says uh, um you were discussing in light of Colossians verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 11, enduring hardships and suffering with joy. I've considered the meaning of this verse, and others like it in Scripture. Like you, I came to the conclusion that the joy that Paul was referring to is more likely contentment than what we relate to today, which is just happiness. I was in a traumatic car wreck as a teenager, and 30 years later, I still suffer from the effects. It is impossible for anyone that is going through severe suffering to be, quote-unquote, happy about it. However, when our joy is in the Lord and not temporal things, then we must be joyful and feel blessed knowing the joy we have in him can never be taken away or lost regardless of the earthly situations in which we face. That's exactly right. That's right.
0: Yeah. And it's the same thing with forgiveness. You, you, he's talking about basically, I, I'm, I'm forgiving my situation, my status in life because there's something larger. The, the same thing with forgiveness. You, you're not going to want to forgive that person in front of you. Uh, Oftentimes you don't want to feel forgiven because that makes you feel small Mm -hmm. Uh, while you know you need it from the Lord. So this guy really tapped into something that's at the core of everyone's faith.
1: I want to get some final words from you guys here in just a second. I'll give you a minute to think about them while I tell the audience, remind them about Brickhouse Nutrition and Field of Greens. No more excuses uh, not to be a good steward of uh, the temple God has given you. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of the, the vitamins and nutrients we need in our produce and other foods is stripped away by today's modern processing. And that's why the uh, the fed, fantastic team of physicians at Brickhouse Nutrition put together this groundbreaking formula known as Field of Greens. Uh, one scoop in any water based drink, uh, and uh, you have real food, real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. That uh, include the antioxidants, the immunity boosters, antioxidant power, prebiotic, probiotics, missing from so much of our diets today. Put it back in your lifestyle with real food from our friends at BrickHouse Nutrition, and it's called Field of Greens. If you want to check this out for yourself, right now you can get 15% off of your first order. When you use my name, Steve, as a promo code at BrickHouseSteve.com, that's BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve for 15% off your first order at brickhousesteve.com. So final thoughts as we put a bow on our study of Colossians, gentlemen.
0: My, my final thought is that you just, uh, spent, like Steve said, since August hearing two Protestants and one Catholic, uh, doing a beautiful riff on mere Christianity, uh, one house, many rooms, uh, I think you you learned a valuable example on how this can and should be done. Uh, The the Bible is a weapon, indeed. It's a weapon against evil. Uh, But too often, we're using it as a weapon in the hands of very inexperienced Yosemite Sam's who are trying to hijack that weapon for purposes that have nothing to do with serving the king of the universe. That's all we tried to show you right here. How do you use this beautiful gift given to us via God to serve him and to love him better? And hey, no one does that better, if I do say so myself, in this genre of media than this show right here.
2: We started this back in August, as Steve mentioned at the outset of this hour, and we've gone through a lot of in-depth study on on the book of Colossians, obviously taking that long of a time and that many shows to do it. We've thrown a lot of terms around Christology, Todd dropped an Epicureanism earlier on the show, <laughs> and a lot of intricacies that are really good if we put them in the proper context and are enriching hopefully for us on a on a personal and um, an intellectual level but on the practical spiritual level i hope that as we went through the book of colossians and it is christology it is the study of our savior i hope i hope that it is summed up most succinctly in the very sweet song turn your eyes upon jesus turn your eyes upon jesus Look full on his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace." I hope that that, you know, it, it is good to be stimulated by our faith on an intellectual level. I hope that our spiritual, like our spiritual attitude is summed up in that very first stanza of that song, or that the, the chorus of that song. I really hope that that was accomplished, at least in some small way, because when our eyes are on our savior, the rest of the things that we talk about, the Jussie Smollett's of the world, the Donald Trump's Twitter account of the world, those things don't go away. they're diminished. I hope that's what we accomplished in in taking a look at this series. I want
1: to thank everybody for being patient as uh, we uh, muddle our way through uh, our first Bible study here on the show. Thanks for tuning in here today as well on The Blaze. Don't forget The Blaze Roundtable coming your way later today. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John (laughs) 317.